Welcome to the Good Money Habits podcast, where we marry financial education with tips from the experts on how to develop good money habits. Knowing what your options are around your finances is one thing, how to translate the knowledge into action for results is quite another. We're all about helping others take steps to gain financial stability, to live a better life. This podcast is brought to you by Lighthouse Capital. It is important to understand that today's episode is of general nature and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situations or needs and may not be appropriate for you. This is Julia Shortinghouse and welcome to Good Money Habits. Today I'm joined in the studio by three highly educated and extraordinarily generous women and we're going to be talking about the art of giving and why it matters. What has struck me about each of my three guests, other than them being three of my favourite people, is that in their own unique way, they consciously give back. And whilst they may tackle it differently, what is similar is that for each of them, it's just simply a part of who they are, a part of their DNA, if you like. And today I'd like to explore what led them to make community and giving a priority in their lives. So let me introduce them one at a time and in no particular order. Um, well, actually, on second thoughts, I'd better do alphabetical or I'll get in trouble. Um, so I think, Karis, you're up first. So Karis is a senior manager in Macquarie Group's platform and technology division with eight plus years experience in the finance industry across financial advice, business development, strategy and financial technology. She has an undergraduate in fi- in finance and economics, a diploma in financial planning and to top it all off, an MBA. Outside of work, Karis is a qualified yoga teacher and a perpetual learner. Her current fo- uh, focuses consist of learning piano, learning to speak Mandarin and pottery. <laughs> now, Karis tells me her body composition is made up of 90% figs at the moment, given figs are in full bloom and in season. <laughs> Welcome to Good Money Habits, Karis. I honestly didn't think you'd say the fig part, but I love it. Thank <laughs> you for having us, Jules. Well, I did, I did notice them after you put that in in the supermarket yesterday. They are in abundance. They're my favourite fruit. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Now, Chloe. Chloe, originally, Chloe Liao, originally from Singapore, joined the financial planning industry in 2015 and worked in various roles from advice to compliance. Outside of work, she's currently working towards completing her diploma in counselling and has countless other qualifications. So much so, she sometimes forgets them. She believes in the power of community and dedicates her time and energy to positively impacting various individuals through volunteering at a personal level, including self-funded medical trips to Cambodia, working closely with migrant and refugee women with not-for-profit organisations like ISHA and the Curtin Empower program. In 2018, she established a women's support group, the Etch Collective, that provides a safe space for women to connect, learn and grow. In 2019, she partnered with Isha to develop a program of workshops and a financial booklet titled Your Money and Financial Wellbeing. The book was produced collaboratively with George Hillary and illustrated by the very talented local artist, Joanna Patika, for women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. The booklet covers the topic she wished she knew then when she first moved to Australia. The booklet has since been translated to four different languages, being English, Arabic, Farsi, and Vietnamese. Welcome, Chloe. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. And interesting that you mentioned um, George Hillary. I think he's the grandson of uh, a famous uh, Edmund Hillary, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and he actually um, writes amazing articles, um, financial articles on uh, online 
I think his website, you can link that down below. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I'll link it later. Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a lovely guy. I have met George a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Now, Danelle, can I call you Nelly? You sure can. Fantastic. Danelle <laughs> is a financial planner at Lighthouse Capital, so I'm not biased at all. <laughs> um, she's worked in various roles within both the company and the industry since 2006. She completed her Master's in Financial Planning in 2018 and is passionate about educating people on their financial situation and encouraging them to engage with their finances as part of their overall well-being. This continues to be a driving force for continuing to work in a complex and ever-changing industry. One of her ultimate goals is to create efficiencies and to untangle the intricate red tape surrounding the profession to ensure personal advice remains affordable to deliver it to those who need it most. And and also a passion that I share with, with Nelly very much so. Outside of the office, she likes to volunteer her time as well and provides resources to community initiatives like the Cambodia Medical Team, the Etch Collective, which is the women's support group that was just mentioned by Chloe, and various other campaigns as and when they arise, never hesitating to roll up her sleeves or trying to get involved in any way possible. I can personally attest to that. Um, using her wealth of knowledge, she also uses her free time to provide pro bono advice and support to people who couldn't otherwise access it. Outside of these two realms, she enjoys the simple things in life, including time with her gorgeous pups, <laughs> good food, great wine, and supporting local bands and venues in the West. Welcome, Nelly. Thank you. So to begin, I'm curious to hear from each of you, what led to make giving back such a focus in your lives? Or, or put another way, what is your why? So Karis, I might kick off with you. Um, A few years ago, I know you made the courageous decision to simultaneously step away from a high-flying career with Macquarie to travel and complete your MBA. Do you mind sharing why you did that and what led you to make that that choice? Oh, Jules, you're a bit generous with the um, term high-flying, but I'll take it. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to back you in. (laughs) I love a bit of uh, girl support. Um, Look, honestly, it started as a bit of a pipe pipe dream you know I'm sure everyone at some point has probably daydreamed about taking time away from work and and thinking about doing things that they're passionate about and and exploring different areas and it really became a reality when my partner felt the same way and it kind of got to this uh, chicken scenario of what well I'll do it if you do it (laughs) and uh, (laughs) this led us to to taking a a year off work and But look, leading up to it, there was definitely times where we had severe anxiety about stepping away from our roles and more importantly, financial security. I had questions of, what if no one hires me ever again (laughs) when I return? What if I can't get a job? Um, And more importantly, how are we gonna afford this? And so we took 18 months of planning to ensure that when we took that leap, that we felt like we were in a much more comfortable position. And to do this, we actually sought um, financial advice. So a shout out to Dean Gilkerson, who I know has been on the podcast before. He absolutely has, yes. And Chris Taylor. um, They helped us out through that. And I'll never forget um, sitting in our statement of advice uh, meeting where for your, anyone who doesn't know, this is when an advisor gives you a very large document with all your hopes and dreams and tells you how you're going to get there. And Chris just sat across from us and was like, yeah, of course you can do it. And I was like, okay. And it was just this this tick of approval and, and yeah. this weight off our shoulders that, yes, we can do it. And look, the reality is at the end of the day, we came back mid uh, a pandemic and I got a job and I got to do all the things that I wanted to do. So it was fine. But it was that financial um, advice was, was really needed for us to feel comfortable. 
I love that, Karis. And um, we all want your life right now, <laughs> just saying. Um, in all seriousness, though, you know, this is a great example of setting goals that might feel like a stretch or really scary. You know, you were really out of your comfort zone making that decision. But it goes to show that when you really do focus on something you want really badly and you had that that sort of shared mutual goal with your partner, which was brilliant, and then break it down into smaller, maybe achievable, specific goals, um, you can get to where you want to, you know, be. You can potentially make it viable um, and goes to show we're perhaps capable of achieving far more than we all realise. Um, so changing tack a little bit, Kara. So I recently jumped on your LinkedIn page. I've been stalking you, sorry. Um, and saw a post you shared that read, 2020 gave me a giant slap in the face reminder that community is vital for balance and a happy life. Can you tell me more? Sure. Well, look, when you're essentially couch hopping for a year, um, you really begin to miss your community and you begin to miss your home. So we came back to Perth unplanned just before COVID hit and we thought we were about to jump out and travel again, but alas, of course, like everyone else, our plans got completely changed. Uh, so it felt like a double whack when COVID hit and I couldn't then connect you know, physically and in the workplace or with my yoga community. Um, but luckily, a, a few months later, I'd finished my MBA and all of a sudden I had this whole new asset that I didn't have before. I, I had time and I was ready to invest it. So I'd love to plug the three projects that I'm working on at the moment. Um, the first one is Ocean Heroes. So Ocean Heroes is a non-for-profit that helps kids on the autism spectrum learn to surf. Luke Callum and Sam Moyle are two young salt of the earth surfer dudes that have started this non-for-profit that has just grown immensely in Perth. We actually ran a free monthly event on Sunday. I on saw Valentine's that. Day. Yeah. yeah, it was so lovely. We had 120 kids come down um, on the autism spectrum and we taught them how to surf over a six, seven, year, uh, six, seven hour time frame. To put it in perspective, we have about 140 to 200 kids on the wait list for these events. Wow. They are free, but they sell out in under seven minutes. Um, and there is a whole team of volunteers that come along with it. So and I hear you even looked after the mums. Yeah. We did look after <laughs> the mums. I. Um, this is why having diversity, I think, on a board is a really good example because I said to Luke and Sam, I'd love to get some flowers for the mums so that the kids can give them to them on Valentine's Day. And, and it was so lovely. Um, I think some of the dads might have felt a bit uncomfortable because <laughs> maybe they had forgotten to get flowers for their wives, but it was really, really lovely. Oh, well you did the job for them. Look at it that way. That's true, that's true. Uh, the second um, project or the NFP I'm working with at the moment is 10 by 10 uh, philanthropy. Mm -hmm. uh, I sit on the committee there. This is a, a live crowdfunding charity that comprises majority of young professionals, and we try and raise funds for innovative uh, grassroots charities. So it's actually established in Australia back in 2013 and it's now global in London, Hong Kong, Vancouver, New York, you mm -hmm. name it, it's there. Um, and we've just started it in Perth uh, towards the end of last year. And then the last charity uh, that I'm working with is the Macquarie Group Foundation. So the Mac Group Foundation is the philanthropic arm of Macquarie Group. Uh, we provide support to hundreds of community organisations globally each year through financial support, but also through volunteering and, and skills sharing. And we focus predominantly on the locations in which uh, Macquarie operates. 
So if you work for a big company, if you're listening to this, you will have something similar as well. And this is a really uh, great introduction if you haven't worked with NFPs before um, as an individual to leverage off a, a larger company. And NFP being not-for-profit? Yes, sorry. Yeah, yep. No, that's okay. Yep. That We have a lot of jargon, as you know, <laughs> so we just try and um, unpick it as we go along. And that's a fascinating angle, Karis, and a great observation um, around uh, tapping into those sort of opportunities through corporates. And no doubt we'll go a bit deeper with that a little bit later because sure. I think that's well worth exploring. Uh, and I know that's precisely what you have been exploring, so let's come back to that. Okay, okay Chloe, you're in the hot seat. Um, knowing you as I do... Um, I, to be honest, I barely know where to begin um, to dig in, into explaining how you embrace community. Um, but having said that, I guess the precise question to ask you is simply why community? Um, I think community is something that I value. It's part of my values, having a community to support, learn and grow with each other. Um, a big part of me getting involved in community is also because um, I feel that whatever life experiences that I've had, I mean, moving across countries at such a young age, I did face a lot of difficulties dealing with isolation and issues around um, monetary mistakes that I make because I didn't understand the tax systems in Australia. In fact, I didn't even pay my tax <laughs> until <laughs> I was like... We don't recommend that. Until they caught up with you. Don't, yeah. Uh, she's paid it since. Yeah, I paid so it since. Don't report me to the ATO. Um, but those are the things that I wasn't aware about. And I think I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And when I started working in the bank, I started learning more about financial literacy. And I think that's where I really found my love for helping migrant um, immigrant, refugee mm -hmm. um, people in general settle in Australia because I feel like that conversation is not talked about. Um, but also f coming from a different country where your tax systems and how you pay stuff is completely different, you know, from a cultural perspective as well. So being able to learn and understand that and then educating them on how the Australian tax systems like and why we have to pay our taxes and, and all that, I think like that's one thing that really... That's, that's a niche that I found to be able to use my skills that I have and life experiences that I have to share with community. Um, and then, yeah, that's mainly... That's amazing, Chloe. <laughs> um, and I, I know that you've um, I've watched you create your own community um, through those sort of activities, which I think is um, something that we can touch on as well. But listening to how you've helped others navigate our tax and financial system here in Australia really is incredible. And you're so right. It is hard to navigate. You know, we have one of the most complex tax and super systems in the world. Uh, we, those of us that are fortunate enough to be born and raised here and, and grow up with it, we struggle with it, which is why we've got the whole podcast going. Yeah. Because, you know, so if you are coming from another country, I can, I can barely imagine yeah. um, the struggles and the difficulties. And um, it's interesting that you talk about past experiences. Actually, just on the last podcast um, we just recently recorded with Christina Cabrera, we were digging into that. Yeah. Um, and for people that are struggling in that way, some of the tools you can do to help release those blocks, which is really interesting. Um, a bit later on, um, I want to chat more about the community work that you're currently involved with with but before I do Nelly your turn um, now what is your why 
Um, so I guess I'll be pretty honest here and say that for me, my why comes from personal experiences. Yeah. Um, just coming from a lower middle class, I understand the struggles that can come with not having a lot of money and the stress that that can really put on relationships and families. Um, there was particularly one pivotal moment in my life. Um, I learned later as I became an adult. I wasn't yeah. really aware at the time because I was quite young. Um, but I learned what happened to someone incredibly close to me as a result of bad legal advice um, and the lack of guidance and resources that are out there, particularly, you know, in divorce. Mm. And you're talking about a situation that is not just emotional. Um, so, you know, they were left with absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, no home, no money, um, really isolated. And um, because of that, I vowed that I wouldn't do what I could, where I could, mm. um, to support people through these type of events, particularly for women in the community. Um, I guess I'm in a fortunate enough position now that I don't need the fancy things and I really do get more fulfilment um, from finding little ways to just give back. And, and that, that's you hitting the nail <laughs> on the head. We, we see that every day, don't we, Chloe, yeah. in the office? Yes. Yeah. And, and I think we'll talk about that a bit more where it's, it's, it doesn't have to be big things. It, it, it can be small things, um, but it looks different to everyone as well. Um, and, you know, you just can't underestimate the impact of, um, you know, small acts of giving um, and, you know, being on the other end if someone needs you, if, you know, being there to listen. So Yeah, it's priceless. And, and I love that you raised that. And you are so right that, Small acts of giving um, are important. It doesn't need to be big things to have impact. And um, you're probably going to kill me for sharing this, but um, the most recent one that jumps to mum was in the lockdown week before last. And um, Nelly happened to share that she might have dropped off care packages to her neighbours. <laughs> Yeah, look, it was um, a really small gesture and I don't think it actually warrants a discussion, um, but essentially all I did was put together a little care pack um, with some essentials for the neighbours, put in some toilet paper and some masks. Um, But the most important part I actually put in was a a personalised note. Um, And what that had was just a message of support, my name and my contact number, and just encouraging them to reach out if they need me. Um, Because being isolated can be incredibly taxing on your mental health. Um, especially where people may not be fortunate enough to have a strong support network. Um, Some of us obviously do, which is fantastic. Um, But it's more about reaching out and just saying, hey, I'm here. We're in this together. Um, You know, don't hesitate to come to me. And I love that um, you did that and touching on that mental health. I mean, we're, we're not psychologists, so we're not, you know, skilled or trained in that area, but so true, you know, and just that, that small gesture of somebody reaching out and saying, I'm here, you're not alone. I think that's just priceless. It's the word that comes to mind. But listening to the three of you, what really stands out to me in each of your stories um, is that your personal experiences kind of shape the way you individually express um, your passion in this space for giving and I suspect your how as well so let's dig into that and see if my suspicion is right. Um, Karis you raised an interesting point earlier about the opportunity for big corporates to give back you know and touching on finding the right committees and individuals that can if, if you like if I can put it this way leverage the company balance sheet and their capable people can you tell me about that? Yeah, look, in, in my experience, it, it isn't just about, you know, grant options and fundraising. It's about skill set sharing. So, look, I have the privilege that I get to work with people who are much smarter than me. Um, and many non-for-profits that I've worked with are in need of strategic advice, financial risk mitigation. They need help with funding strategies and, and so forth. So if you work in any of these areas, if you have this skill set, and if non-for-profits, sorry, will always, always accept you through their doors as well. And, and sorry, I just have to pick up this point, Nellie, that you said that 
your your kind package that you gave to your neighbours isn't even worth the conversation. Yeah, good point. That's completely wrong. wrong. It's yeah. absolutely worth the conversation. And there'll be different points in your life where you'll be able to give more and there'll be points in your life where you'll be able to do a little bit less, right? And yeah. that's completely okay. Absolutely. Because just yeah. like a portfolio return, <laughs> Jules, <laughs> you have to think long term, <laughs> right? Rolling return here. Yeah. In- incremental. Incremental, right? Mm. And so it's those those little bits that will add up like compound interest so if you go back to the first one or two episodes <laughs> I'm smiling right now just got to get that printed on a shirt so <laughs> this is what it's all about it's it's about compounding these little things that you do every single day that will eventually add up well thank you Karis yeah thank you Karis beautifully said and coming back to what you were saying in, in terms of the way that you're sort of working and using your skill sh- skill set within the the corporate arena I really like that lens and and that really resonates for me. So that real value is is leveraging the skill set. And talk about innovative, you know. Um, Earlier on you touched on the 10 by 10 that you're doing. Um, I've never heard of anything like that before. Can you tell us more about it? And I know you're organising a special event at the moment, so I'd love you to share that. Yeah, I'd love to. So 10 by 10 will run an event very much Shark Tank style, okay? So we have three charities that come in, they will pitch uh, what they do and how they do it. And then you as a participant at the event get to to give back. So you'll pay, uh, our next event is on the 24th of March. You'll pay $100 for a ticket. When you rock up on the night, we'll give you that $100 back. So you then get to hear the three charities talk um, and give their pitch. So Ocean Heroes will be there, they'll be pitching. The second one is Zero to Hero. Uh, Look, they're dedicated to um, increasing the understanding of mental health issues and awareness of mental health services amongst children and young people in Perth. And the third one is Underground Collaborative. So they're a Perth-based social enterprise that provides employment and housing solutions for people experiencing or at risk of uh, homelessness. So it's all local grassroots. all of your money gets to go back to the event, okay? So um, the rest is done it's incredible. through corporate sponsors. Mm. So if there's any corporate sponsors around that <laughs> help out, I mean, you get to just listen to these amazing charities talk about what they do, drink free wine, have free snacks, um, and have a tax deduction at the same time, right? Oh, my God, I'm excited. I'm just, I, as you know, I can't do that date. I'm so <laughs> bummed out. I shouldn't say that probably on a podcast, no, but okay. um, I'm, I'm, at a, I'm at a rural event, actually, doing <laughs> some financial education work. So I think um, Nellie and Chloe are going to have to represent Team Lighthouse at that event. So um, I, I just think that's amazing. And I love the fact that they're local charities. That really stands out for me. Um, and therefore, I guess, because they are local charities, I've kind of got this sense that um, this has the potential to be comparatively more impactful um, to some degree. So when and where is this event? Where can people get tickets? If corporates do want to reach out to you, Karis, and help with this, where do they go? <laughs> awesome. So we'll put the link in the podcast. We can do that. Right? I can say totally. that. It will just happen, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll make, well, Magic. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> so 10 by 10 is 10x10, right? Um, you can go to the website. Again, the event's the 24th of March. We're holding it at the Optus Victory Lounge, which is very bougie. <laughs> very so here in fancy, WA. In mm-hmm. WA. Um, 
you can contact Jules if you want to get my contact details as well. For sure. And that's, um, yeah, so uh, feel free to message me through the Good Money Habits um, Facebook page. Um, and I did pick up earlier that there's free booze, Karis. Yeah. Yeah, so I bet that got people's attention. Um, so anyway, I, I think it's brilliant and um, we'll, we'll be sure to try and um, help support that event through the podcast as well. Now, you talked about your time away travelling before curious you know to what degree do you think that was a factor in leading you to this point and to be doing what you're doing now you know what came through really uh, strong when I was away traveling was that oh my gosh Western Australia is such a beautiful place we're so right? blessed we're so mm. blessed and in the the um, industry that we work in you usually have to go east coast right WA is this little place on the side chilling but we have the best beaches and the best people and the best communities. And, you know, whether I was in Switzerland or I was in Ibiza or I was back home in Scotland seeing my family, I just yearned for my time back home and just appreciated so much more. And that has only been heightened through COVID, right? And I had such a similar experience. I'm at a similar age to you, maybe just a little bit younger. Um, And I know that, you know, I remember coming back to Perth Airport and just being shocked at the colour of the blue in the sky, like how amazing that was. And yet I've lived with it my whole life and it's just mm. been part of, you know, um, part of what we get to, you know, love and enjoy here. So I think that's fantastic. And I too came back with a much better appreciation for everything we have here. And one of the wonderful things I think, you know, that uh, the one upside of COVID that has really resonated for me is that we really live in a very connected world. Um, so you can live in Perth and, yeah. you know, um, explore your passions and be entrepreneurial and, and do these things that you're doing. So that's fantastic. Okay, Chloe, can can you share with me a little bit more about the projects you're working on? Because I know a little bit about them, but I'd love you to share more with the oh, listeners. Sure. Uh, currently, I am focused more on connecting and supporting women in need. Uh, and helping them find resources to help them get back on your feet. And that's the whole intention of why we set up the Edge Collective, to point them in the right direction. Um, I also hope that through the Edge Collective, we can run more information sessions, um, such as financial literacy, um, you know, family law issues, um, estate planning. So those are the kind of subjects that, yeah, fantastic. Really, that the women have voted that that's what they feel like they would need. Um, more off so um, and we tend to run a bigger event um, each year and we've done one every year I counted since we started Um, well done and last year we had um, a family lawyer that actually so kindly gave her time Nicola Ashford at ASB Law shout out to you Um, thank you for giving your time to the women and that was one of our most um, successful event that we ran so it's a topic that's definitely important um, and she taught um, us uh, about family law 101 and how to protect yourselves in your relationships uh, and then apart from that I also hope to work collaboratively with amazing organizations out here in WA um, so we have Women's Legal WA um, who is a not-for-profit community legal center that provides legal advice for women across WA. Gillian uh, Booth, who is the CEO at Women's Legal WA, does an amazing job. Uh, and I'm so excited to watch them grow. Um, we also have um, Operation Sunshine. Uh, I met the lady that runs Operation Sunshine. Her name is Leah. Um, she uh, provides support to children and young people in and out of home care 
and in crisis accommodation in WA. Um, they also provide what they call courage kits. Um, that they that's a bunch of women's essentials, and they distribute it to women's shelters across WA um, who are escaping domestic violence. And lastly, I also want to be continually involved um, and be ready and available for Isha um, whenever they need help. And they do know that they can reach out to me whenever. But it's ongoing support for these. Wow, <laughs> Chloe. The, the Courage Kits, I'd, lo- I'd love to get uh, some information up on the site as for people who want to get involved with that yeah, as well. Definitely. Let's get that, um, get that out there. And um, it, you um, also do work with Isha, and I'd, I'd really like you to expand on that for me and share that. Yeah, so Isha is another amazing organisation. <laughs> I feel like I'm meeting all these amazing organisations. I don't like know how you do it, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's a not-for-profit organisation that works closely with women as well, um, mm-hmm. of all ages. And they are from most of them are from culturally and linguistically diverse women. Um, and they provide women's health services f- um, and offer women's, uh, free women's health checkups. Um, their okay. headquarters are based in Mirabuka, uh, yeah. so you can actually look them up. Um, uh, I got to learn about Isha when I actually wanted to use my skills and experience uh, to teach, help immigrants and teach them financial literacy. Um, so my partner's dad um, at that time told me to email this guy named Walter Gomez. I actually haven't met him yet. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but um, he, I, I just realised um, that he works in the same building as my partner now. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> yes, I just found it. Sure. Um, so uh, he actually put me in touch with Isha and said that, uh, well, he kind of put me in touch with Isha. He recommended a bunch of other organisations that I may um be, may be able to work with and Isha was the one that he actually pointed out and said like I think your skill set will be really good here um, so I've sent an email to Andrea the CEO um, and then we met up for coffee and then um, the rest was history we just worked <laughs> together on a finan- we decided that we were going to work together on a financial literacy program um, we applied for grant funding and that's when we continued to run the program and then produce the booklet so how long have I known you, Chloe? Uh, Jules, when, uh, I think 2018. So how is it possible that this is the first time that I've been learning that you published a book that was translated into four different languages? Um, okay. How did I not know that about she you? She is very humble. That is one thing I will tell you about, Chloe. <laughs> well, that, that says it right there, really. Um, where can listeners find this book? Okay, it's going to be a, a long link, but I think you can link that down below as 100%, well. Yeah. Um, but if it's on the isha.org website, so isha.org.au, and then uh, forward slash your dash money dash and dash financial dash well-being. Yeah, I'll put that up on the site. Yeah. And just to so Isha is I-S-H-A-R yeah. for those listening. Um, so let's add those links and put it on the socials and make it easier to find. Um, okay, so Chloe, you don't stop there. Um, <laughs> seriously, it doesn't stop there. <laughs> like, it's incredible. Um, you're also the founder behind the Etch Collective. Can you talk us through what that is and why you created it? Um, sure. The Etch Collective was started in 2018 by dedicated volunteers uh, to assist women um, and other vulnerable persons, including those from migrant and refugee backgrounds, uh, to develop skills which enable them to find their own independence. Um, we are also currently just we're just a group of like-minded individuals um, mm-hmm. that want to give back to community and to share our time, resources, and skills that we have um, 
to the women in our community so that none of us would ever have to stand alone in any situation. I think it's by now becoming very apparent why um, these are three of my favourite people. <laughs> um, Chloe, you don't realise how amazing you are yeah. um, and how humble you are and you are a very special individual. Thank you. Um, I'm going to change tack a little bit. Um, Nell, the story that stands out to me that I suspect was a pivotal moment in your journey both as a financial planner and in your community work, is that of our clients who, for the purposes of this chat, we're going to call Jack and Diane, not their real names, obviously, um, but I vividly recall when we met them for the first time and in the process of exploring their goals and objectives, their goals were so specific and clear. In addition, that was a win, we don't get that very often, in addition <laughs> to being the first clearly defined goals that were 100% community driven, which I know really resonated with you, can you tell me about your recollections and the journey you've been on since? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be honest, I don't even know where to start with these two. Yeah. Um, but I think when I first met these incredible individuals for the first time, I was in absolute awe of the fact that their ultimate goals were 100% about a philanthropic outcome. Um, that we could create a pathway f for them basically to retire early um, and increase their existing time that they were spending in um, remote Cambodian villages doing medical work. Um, it was the first time I ever met clients where the moral compass was just so strong and their values were so distinct um, and it was just inspirational. Um, one element of the advice was to sort of provide adequate insurances. This is where I'm going to get the financial planning hat on and, and why I guess I think it's a little bit important Do as it. part of their overall story. <laughs> <laughs> um, because if something happened to them, what does that mean for their journey? Um, so basically... This is where I'll get a little bit like the universe working in mysterious ways because um, something did happen to Jack, as we're going to call him, um, that would have ultimately thrown them off their entire trajectory. Mm -hmm. um, after the shock, shock, uh, shock passing of a colleague, um, he chose to have a test taken um, and it's not something that you would have regularly or, or get under any other circumstances. It was pretty, pretty rare scenario. It was. It was a rare mm -hmm. scenario. Um, but then in having the test, it turned out that, yeah, he there was a chance that he was going to suffer the same fate potentially mm -hmm. um, because he had these symptoms. Um, so, you know, fortunately he was able to undergo some major surgery um, and have that treated and he's fighting fit and healthy again. Um, yes, that's the, the upside. <laughs> that is the upside. Um, he was very fit. You wouldn't, and that's the other thing, you wouldn't even have known. No, um, true. But um, even more fortuitously, um, he also had what we call trauma or critical illness cover in place mm -hmm. um, as a result of the advice that we had provided mm. um, as well as income protection which helps to provide benefits while they weren't working um, but the lump sum benefit that was paid out for the trauma condition mm. um, you know it was actually used to then accelerate their plans yeah and, um, and their humanitarian work absolutely which yeah it mm. increased their capacity um, mm. to go about and keep doing the humanitarian work um, and gave them that little bit of financial freedom you know we're going to we're going to use that word here because it did um, you wouldn't wish it on anybody but it was funny as you say how the universe works and manifests yeah and mm. that's it um you know so many people would have been affected if this went differently um and to think that they weren't capable of doing what they're doing now you know that that's sad mm. it really i couldn't even fathom it to be honest um but you know especially through a really difficult period in their life um but the, I guess I'll talk a little bit about the team that, that does go over to Cambodia. 
Um, there's this just wonderful group of people and it consists of doctors and dentists, medical students, translators, you know, anyone that's willing to contribute in, in some shape or form. Um, you don't have to be a doctor because I went over there. <laughs> I mean, I did start taking blood tests, but look, <laughs> don't call me a nurse yet. Um, but, you know, you visit these remote locations in Cambodia um, and they visit up to four times a year and treat those that really do need it and they just don't have access to medical treatment. Um, you know, includes repeat patients that can be difficult to identify because um, when you go out to these remote places, there's no identification. And we're, we're talking really remote here, we? are aren't we? talking very remote. We're talking mm. four-hour dingy boat rides yeah. across lakes. I've seen the photos. And back, yeah, you know, yeah. half of your day spent almost commuting to these places mm. um, to spend a couple of hours over there doing, you know, mm. what you want, what you need to do. Um, but, you know, they've created technology that can help track um, these people so if they need... Um, blood pressure medication that's on record there's a photo Um, so even being remote and in the middle of nowhere they've developed this system that you know they can help to track these people and and find Mm. them because if you show a photo of someone in the community they'll go find that person they'll in some way shape or form they will find them Um, but look I was incredibly fortunate to be invited um, and as was Chloe um, Jack and Diane came and presented to our team at the office and showed us what um, they do and it was my hand was up I, w- I just knew that that is something that I really wanted to get involved with and we were able to assist in treating 500 patients in a five-day period in incredibly difficult conditions with makeshift surgeries um, you know we saw live leeches cut out of shins um, teeth extractions like masses taken out of people's bodies that had like actually you know that were affecting their life like they yeah. were carrying this weight around and for their entire life to the point yeah it's it was pretty um pretty out there um yeah. but look the team's self-funded and they're all there with a single purpose um and that's just to help others you know there's no ultimatums no incentives um there is a political element that does come with volunteering in a place like Cambodia yeah, unfortunately sure. but um you know they navigate that and they massage those issues with ease Um, You know, when I ask them why they continue to do what they do and invest so much time and energy into the project, you know, they just simply want to give back and they can. You know, there's not a particular point in time. It was an opportunity that came up. Um, Another doctor was previously doing it um, and then he didn't want to do it anymore. So Jack took over that role. Um, But, you know, he was the only doctor at that time and and he realised he couldn't really do what he wanted to do alone. So that's when he started enlisting the help of others. Um, and look, particularly kids. Um, so helping the kids over there is the real um, yeah. driver for them. And for them, they just actually want to give them a glimpse of opportunity. That they want yeah. to go. The world is your oyster, and helping them to actually have a chance um, and perhaps break a cycle um, if yeah. they could. You know, yeah, it's really hard to explain. Um, but you know, Chloe was obviously there with me, um, and you would go out. There's a lot of children in orphanages that are, yeah. aren't actually orphans, but it's so that they can be living in um, clean conditions, maybe. Yeah, and food like and shelter closer and to cities mm. and towns, and mm. um, have a little bit more opportunity. Um, yeah. So, look, and Jack and Diane really do live and embody the expression selflessness. Like Absolutely. They're, they're, I've never <laughs> come across 100%. anyone. 100%. Yeah. Shout out Jack and Diane. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chloe, you know, and, and Nellie, any um, other aha moments that you want to share about the Cambodian trip? Yes. I think um, I've always been 
the type of person that, you know, like to look up to people so I could learn from them and watch their journey and see how it go. I used to put successful CEOs of top corporations out there and be like, maybe that's that's how I should be, that's who I should follow and these are the people that I should admire and inspire to be. I think going on Cambodia trip and just watching Jack and Diane do their work and not just them but the, the doctors that go along with them and the, how they love so deep for these people. Um, they don't do it for anything else but because they care for a community that um, they spend so many years building relationships with um, and just watching them being so humble about it. They don't brag about it. They don't talk about it. They don't even want their name shared. Yeah. <laughs> um, to me, I've learned that these are the people that I will call leaders and the people that I would want to look up to and yeah. aspire to be and learn from. Um, so that was my takeaway moment. And I really like the, uh, the way you drew in there that it's almost... Um, allowed you to open up to think about success in a really different way yes. and, and I think as a society, as a society we need to do that yes. I, I suspect we've got it wrong yes. you know all the things we we signal that success is about um, maybe we need to sit back and say yeah. well is that really right yeah what about you now um, personally other than honestly the peers sitting in this room um, and particularly Chloe she's taught me a lot about mm. community in, over the last couple of years. Like, I feel like I've known her forever. <laughs> I have to remember sometimes. It's only been a few years. Mm. Um, but the leaders Chloe describes um, were the first two individuals that just inspired me to want to be better and, and do more in this world. Um, they are incredibly humble and selfless, exactly as you explained. Um, you know, they'd give the shirts off their back. So... Um, I vividly remember one of the doctors addressing the group at that time. So um, he says something that stuck with me to this day and explained that you need to put on your own oxygen mask first. Mm -hmm. um, referencing the need to sort of get yourself in a comfortable position um, before you can really help those that are around you. Um, and he was right to an extent. Um, we can't all be in a position um, or capable of helping at some points in time, but you can start small and incrementally. Um, contribute to causes that you're passionate about find something that ignites ignites something in you you know a desire for you to do that um it can look so different to everybody and you know it doesn't have to be in the form of money time as Karis did mention is actually probably the most valuable resource yeah totally agree mm -hmm. and that's such great advice and two key points there that stood out for me to not underestimate the incremental nature of what you're doing and, and as you said put your own oxygen mask on first so setting yourself up so you can help others I mean I wholeheartedly agree with that something I've observed is that people often tend to put themselves last often out of guilt and I see that all the time particularly in mothers and you know and a lot of friends where the reality is actually that if you look after yourself to be in a stable position both you know emotionally physically financially and mentally then you're naturally going to come from a more centered and stable place to be able to help others um, so I'm really glad you raised that because for me that's absolutely fundamental and you know it's a sort of a dip in and dip out sometimes you'll be able to and others you may not and it's just different points in your life yep. and that's totally fine and Jules that, that can be financially it can be mentally it can be emotionally you know yeah you just got to sort of ride with the ebbs and flows but you, you'll know yeah. when that oxygen mask is on and go I can help yeah Who I can, can I do help? this yep. yeah yeah mm -hmm. Chloe um I know that 
you work philanthropy just into your daily life. I think that was evident from all the things you're involved <laughs> with that you've shared. Can you can you maybe inspire us? You know, how do you do that? Um, because community and sharing with the community is part of my values, it's important that, um, you know, putting your oxygen mask first and, mm. and, and being, I think, responsibly... Uh, Financial, financially responsible. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> well said. <laughs> um, uh, it's 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 helpful, and I do really acknowledge that I am one of the lucky ones, and I'm in a very privileged situation. You know, wor- working out in these communities, I do acknowledge that. Um, but I do set um, f- my money away for uh, community work, and I have a fund in my bank account called Community Fund. Um, where a percentage of my pay goes into... Of course into you do, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> Including CPI increases. Thank you, boss. <laughs> um, for, for, for me, for allow, this, this fund allows me to, you know, fund medical trips to Cambodia where required, you know, host events and organise uh, and organize events for um, the Edge Collective. Um, I can even use it for donating to uh, organisations that my values are aligned with, but also being able to share it or gift it to anyone that is struggling if I if I've crossed path with them so I think I'm very fortunate to be in this position to be able to to do that um, but also I have negotiated into my contract thank you oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I and I that I have the flexibility to to give back to the community in the event that I am needed for an event um, I think my work has created and supported me in that way to give me that flexibility to go out and do do these things without having to feel guilty or you know yeah um, and it's a no like brainer as as the employer you know to <laughs> say that we get we get ten days work out of nine just putting it <laughs> yeah. out oh, there yeah, as uh, yeah <laughs> and I I, I I I don't work full time I work a nine day fortnight yeah. uh, so I have alternate Fridays off and that allows me to yeah. do whatever I need to do for that day so I am very very lucky to have. Um, one, a workplace that supports me to be in this privileged position to be able to have a job, have a roof over my head and put money aside um, to do community work. So I am very grateful, actually. I'm very grateful. So I'm going to challenge you as to who is the lucky one here, <laughs> but we won't have that argument live <laughs> in this podcast. But Chloe, we all love that about you, you know, and, and listening to you share that does take me back to a pivotal moment that helped me do a similar thing, but in a different way. Um, and I think you might have come along to the International Women's Day event we had um, yes. a few years ago where we had Professor Arlene Chan from yes. the Breast Cancer Research Centre um, talking. Now, she's a real role model for me, talking about role models, yeah. um, incredible woman, medical oncologist who's changing the way breast cancer patients are treated, not only here in WA, but actually globally. Um, and it was at that event that, I mean, she's a very busy woman, but what I learned is that she consistently dedicates 10% of her time to pro bono work. And that just triggered something in me. And I thought, you know, I was feeling frustrated that I knew I wanted to do more of this, but, you know, being a mum and running a business, I did feel like my wheels were spinning. And and as much as I wanted to do it, I was struggling to fit it in. But 10% sort of felt doable. So I started to commit committing 10% each week and in my head that was four hours. So when I do my Saturday morning planning, it's a bit daggy. Um, it works for me. Mm. I, I kind of like to see that it, that's in there. But it was in that process and through trialing different things over the last few years by doing that, that it helped me find the time for this podcast, which is for me very much a community yes. project and something I'm really passionate about. 
Um, but at the end of the day, the upside of all of this is actually a joy for me. I absolutely love doing it. And I, like you, I feel so grateful to be in the position to be able to do it in this way. Yeah. Um, but today's about the three of you. So let's circle back. Um, I'm confident that those listening will be the thinking the same as what I am. And that is that you are far more inspirational, all of you, than you realise. Um, now, the idea, I want to I want to get your thoughts on something. So this is popping up for me as I'm listening to you today. We live in a world that's more connected um, in ways than it's ever been before, but you hear the kind of thinking or the thought process that for many, it's actually never been more lonely. Mm-hmm. Do, what do you girls think about that? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, just to start, um, I think we could all be doing better, um, but at different moments in time that we are capable of doing so, um, you know, just extending the hand, being an ear when somebody needs it. Um, listening in itself is sort of like an incredibly powerful tool. Um, I think you need to let people know that you're there. Um, I just personally believe no one should feel alone on this journey and yes. um, never underestimate the impact you know you can make with a simple kind-hearted gesture. That's sort of, I, I just think we need to be more connected in a way where people know we're there. So Yeah, well um, said. Yeah, yes. so I don't know if you guys... I think that when dealing with isolation or loneliness or struggles in your life is a topic that is really like it's such a like not everyone feels comfortable sharing their 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 issues you know and I think one of the reasons why I created the Edge Collective is so we could have that safe environment when we catch up to share those issues I have I think when I met the women through the Edge Collective and hanging out with them one-on-one strangers in the community and meeting each other it's such a powerful thing when two people that live in the same community don't know each other but I'm like hey I'm gonna buy you dinner let's go out and let's have a chat what are you going through and I think we need more of that. I think just a certain level of care that we can just go out and constantly ask people, how are you doing? I'm genuinely asking this question, how are you? Mm. Yeah. And how, by, how by giving back and, and doing what you do, it builds your community, right? Exactly. And I know you, know you touched on what you're doing, Karis, before and even your yoga community. I yeah. mean, that's in a different way, right? But I think that's, um, I think it's quite interesting, yeah. the, mm. the time and space we're in, in yeah. 2021. Definitely. Mm. What about you, Karis? I just think people are much kinder than you realise. So when you are struggling, asking for help, and Mm. there's three women in front of me that I'm sure have gone through struggles and have not asked for help. Right? Absolutely. (laughs) For whatever reason. The reality is, is that I just think there's so much more love and kindness in this world than people realise. And if you are courageous enough to Mm. ask someone for help, the chances are they are going to help you. Yes. Yep. Yes, I believe that. Yep. Preach. I'm going to come back to the beginning. And Karis, you, your little LinkedIn comment, 2020 gave you a slight giant slap in the face reminder that community is vital for balance and a happy life. For anyone listening to this who might be wanting to make more time for giving in community, are there any final tips you want to share? I don't want to guilt anyone into forcing them to do more Mm. than what they are doing. My girlfriends out there that have just had their first baby, 
I'm not going to ask them <laughs> to volunteer 10 hours a week. They're in survival mode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just to my point earlier, your, your time, I think of it like a simple pie graph. There'll be periods through your life where you'll be able to dedicate more to these causes and, and less. Don't feel guilty about it. Feel okay about it. Think about it long term and think about what you really, really want to make an impact in and, and you will be happy. Just the one other point as well is around there is a, a cultural uh, piece within um, Australia and perhaps more broadly as well where people feel very uncomfortable talking about the good things that they do because it seems that mm. you're bragging, right? Mm. And I've got Chloe and Nellie in front of me that are both <laughs> They're squirming because we're pulling this They're out squirming. of them, right? You should see them. They're <laughs> so uncomfortable. But when your heart is in the right place then you can, there is nothing to fear when you should absolutely go out and talk about the things that you are doing because you have no idea how many people might listen and it might they might not jump on board today or tomorrow but in three to ten years or something they might go hey what was that ocean hero thing that that weird chick was talking about on a podcast that I listened to <laughs> once that sounds like a great idea yeah. And, yeah. and it can flow from there so so talk about what you're doing and, and be okay with what you can do in this time great advice great advice so thanks again to the three of you Nelly I'm seeing Nelly's going to add something go for it (laughs) Um, I think I'll just reiterate that um, contributing to the community can look so different to everybody Um, and whether it be a large-scale corporate and leveraging um, you know off of that whether it's Mm -hmm. establishing a community of your own you know, reaching out to those around you, it, it's all going to make a difference. Mm. Um, you know, I can assure you that once you find a passion, once you find something that really does drive you, um, give you a purpose, um, get involved in that if, you, if you're ready, exactly as you sort of spoke to. And if it's the right time for Correct, you. Correct, yeah. yeah. Um, but it does fill a void. It fills a void that no material thing really ever could for you. That's what I was sort of reaching for before. That's a beautiful way to say it, filling that void. Yeah, and I can truly, like, attest to that because I come to realise that if you take away everything that I have, my house, you know, my job title, you know, everything. The things that society tells you you should... that I should... That if I was successful, this is is what you should be. Mm. I think I am willing to give all of that up for my family and for my community. Don't doubt it for a second, Chloe. And I think that's mm. all the, that's the two biggest thing that keeps me happy. And me, I, like, I truly feel that by having those two things in my life, I am successful. Yeah. You are. And I'm content. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't know whether today's been fun, emotional, <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just. Why, why not it, both? It's been amazing, it's been both. Um, and for me, it's really reinforced again, um, to chatting with the three of you, but why giving back is for many a fundamental element in living a fulfilled and happy life. I'm so intrigued to see where the three of you go from here, where the road takes you all. Um, to those listening, thank you for sharing your precious precious time with us today. We all do lead, lead busy lives that can 
at times feel like a bit of a merry-go-round, but I hope today in taking the time to listen has been a worthwhile investment. Just before I sign off, um, join me on the podcast um, next time as I chat with one of our most successful Australian Olympic athletes our country has ever seen. We'll be exploring his second career and special interest that this Australian champion has forged and I cannot wait to tell you more. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. That was another episode of Good Money Habits brought to you by Lighthouse Capital. A reminder that this episode was general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs, and therefore may not be appropriate for you. It is recommended that you seek professional advice before making any significant financial decisions. If you want to find out more, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts or head to www.lighthousecapital.com.au.